Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. One, two, three, four. Hey there, Lawsy. Hello, welcome back. I know, really, hello everybody, not just Lawsy. We're very excited <laughs> to be back. How are you? I am good. It's so funny, this usually. Every single podcast episode, I struggle to find a special share because I won't write it down when I experience whatever the thing is. And then mm. I forget. But during mm. this time, I've had all these special shares come to my head. And now I've, mm. I've got one that I remembered, but I, again, didn't write them down. So, But I kept thinking, oh, I wish we had an episode this week. I would love to share this. <laughs> cool. Well, you lucky say, for you. Did you just say cool? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean, lucky for you, we have an episode and you're welcome to share it. And you know what? You're welcome to go first, Lawsy. What is your special share this week? Okay. No, I've got something to share with you that's not my special share. Okay. Okay. So I just have to appre- s- um, send out some appreciation to the universe for okay. Netflix and Stan and all of the things that we use because I have just finished Sex in the City. 96 mm-hmm. episodes watched. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I'm very sad I finished it. I then watched the <laughs> movies because I had to continue the story. Anyway, I bought the uh, series thing, the complete mm-hmm. series. I, I think it was on Google or something. But when I was watching, it's not like Netflix where it's it shows you what you're up to. You have to remember what episode you're up to and then like scroll through all of them to find the episode and then oh, that's when it, yes when you pour if just say you something happens and you accidentally like turn the tv off which I actually do a lot with the you know you sit on the remote not surprised yeah you don't you're back to just having to load it again and work out where you were and I just thought to myself my goodness we are so lucky with so many technology things that we obviously we just take for granted but I'm not going to take oh that God, for granted yeah. anymore <laughs> Because it was very frustrating. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when my mum would put in a VCR for us. She'd put she'd put in a videotape, and um, and I remember like if it was at the end of the tape, she got really upset because she had a rule like if you finished a movie, you had to press stop and rewind it to the start, so that when you put it back in its case for the next person to watch it, they could watch it from the start and they didn't have to start their movie experience by rewinding. Oh <laughs> my goodness! That's I how forgot. far we've come. I can't believe we had to do that. <laughs> Oh my god! Yep. That Technology has changed so much. And what mm-hmm. about when you would watch? It? We're really going on a tangent here. That the guest today is actually <laughs> the inventor of um, the DVD. No <laughs> <laughs> Very rogue. But remember mm. when you'd put a DVD in or a whatever you call it VCR thing, and it would have a scratch, and then you couldn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. And you would it ruined oh everything. My goodness. But you know, with Netflix, there's no scratches. I my worst habit because we had an epic DVD collection like that was my dad I, I don't know it's like he went to a, a video easy where I think the video easy stores they used to like put them on sale um like the kind of DVDs that have like passed their time and my dad <laughs> would come home with like two or three sale DVDs a week and it was like these random movies that never really made it to cinema but like we were going to enjoy them as a family anyway and I remember my worst habit was putting the DVD in a different DVD box like I'd just find an empty one and put it in that and then like you just lose DVDs all the time anyway (laughs) so what's your special share um, okay my special share is (laughs) Atlas 
There was a very big delay there because I thought about Mm. another one I was going to share, but I'll save it for next week. So Atlas is actually what I was last night. You were watching the finale of The Bachelorette and Mm -hmm, Bachelor mm -hmm. definitely was a bachelor. (laughs) And I was watching Atlas and I asked you to tell me when the end bit was happening because I didn't want to stop watching the Mm. show. It is on Netflix and it's with Hilary mm-hmm. Swank and it is about mm-hmm. the first team, obviously no one's gone to Mars, but if they went to Mars, kind of, the first team to go to Mars and there's five of them, I think, that go and they all have incredible stories and they're also like literally the smartest people in the world, obviously that's mm. why they're on the spaceship. But it was a very, very good series. I think it's about eight episodes or something. It's very gripping and some of it was a bit scary for me, I have to say, but it was awesome and I highly recommend watching it. I like Hilary Swank. Oh, if you like Hilary Swank, you would love it. I, she's like hmm. the main character. So, yeah. Good one. I hadn't even heard Thank of you. it. Thank you. Yes. When you said last night, what on earth are you, what, what is that? And I was like, I haven't, it's, mm. it's on the top of my Netflix screen every time I go on. Maybe we get okay. recommended different things. Probably. You're more You probably watch more educational. (laughs) (laughs) It's not educational. It's not real. Um, Okay, so, but it's also not full sci-fi. Like, I'm not into that, just in case anyone was wondering, which they're probably not. What is yours? (laughs) My special share um, is also something that I watched on Netflix over the break, and it was The Social Dilemma. And it is my special share because I just felt like, like when I was watching it, it was saying all the things I kind of already knew and was aware of, but I think it's a re- it's got a lot of really important reminders in there. And I think maybe we're only aware of certain things because we are in the tech industry. So I think that anyone who uses social media and anything like their phone all the time or feels like they've picked up a few bad habits, it's a really important um, doco to watch. It's very eye-opening. Um, and I think what I really liked from it was... I kind of realized within myself that there was changes that I wanted to make with the way that I have been using my phone or social media and particularly in ISO while we've all been, you know, having a lot more screen time. um, I have, and it's fine to do, obviously. There's really not much else to do here in Melbourne. So I think if you're ever going to give yourself a bit of time and excuse um, to play on your phone more, it is now. (laughs) Um, But also moving forward, I just, I kind of wanted to start to get out of the habit before life hopefully starts to go back to normal. Um, And little things like setting a downtime on my phone so that like all of my apps other than text, um, I think um, WhatsApp and Kik are locked um, so that I can't use them past a certain time. And I think I've set myself an hour on Instagram. There's a few days where I've had to click the ignore for 15 minutes, but um, it's really helped me kind of realize how much mindless scrolling I kind of once did and I'm really interested to see how I go over the next couple of weeks I want to be able to like kind of compare my screen time and and see if it has dropped because I think it's just a really important message to remind yourselves that social media it was made as a tool and it was something that like you know they wanted you to use when you wanted to use it but now the way it all works all these different social media platforms um you know they want you to kind of be on it and remind you that someone's commented on this, someone's liked this, someone's done this, someone's uploaded um, to get you back on there. And then every time you go and look, even if, you know, I might've just gone because it said Laura's posted a photo, I'll then end up scrolling for 10 minutes, you know, when really I just wanted to see your photo. So it's just kind of, you know, going back to to basics with social media and, and using it for, I think what they first set out for it to be like, not what it's kind of turned into. Um, 
because it is addictive. Um, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no doubt about it. So, yeah, highly recommend The Social Dilemma. Well, thank you. I haven't watched it because I went to watch it on the weekend and then Dalton got very weird and he was like, it's like he didn't want to face the truth. So. Yes. Okay. So Josh was <laughs> a bit the same. So Josh I like, watch it. Yeah. Josh didn't actually watch it with me, but he kind of came in at the end and it was funny because he was sitting there scrolling and I'd like just watched three quarters of the thing and I just kept looking at him like, you can't scroll while watching this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it, it has got, I think a lot of people might have had the same kind of emotion towards watching it like I don't want to know this like I already know that I have an addiction to my phone I don't want to be reminded of it but I think it is important to kind of learn about it and just face face it (laughs) agree I will report back next week again not (laughs) that anyone cares (laughs) so anyway this is sorry for going rogue obviously we've missed speaking on the podcast to each other and so we had to go a bit rogue but now (laughs) we have got some kick news Steffi what is it we have got some kick news so the start of October starts tomorrow and we just figured that it is a time where I suppose towards the end of the year and especially towards the end of hopefully this is the end of isolation and lockdown particularly for us Melburnians but you know it, it's it's kind of getting to that point where I'm finding myself losing a bit of motivation um, and we've definitely seen that kind of ebb and flow throughout the community in this process and one thing our community really loves is when we set sort of like a challenge um, where they can all keep each other accountable and keep engaged and what we want to do through October is we've set out a plan so we'll make sure there's all this information um, and more on our Keep It Cleaner Instagram channel that you can go and check out Um, and we'll also have pop-ups throughout the app as well but basically what we want you guys to do in October is do something for you every single day so we have set out a bit of a plan there is a few lives um, but there is also you know just some stuff within the app that you can do um, just to encourage you to kind of check in with yourself and do something for you every day in October. I love that. And it is not a weight loss challenge. So no. it's just about getting back into motivation because 100% we are on day 85,000 of lockdown. And <laughs> I think everyone's gone through kind of bursts with like fitness and you come out of it and then, you know, yeah. well, I'm in a bit of, I don't know, I just feel like it's a bit of a lull time at the moment of just not being bothered to do anything. And it's we just wanted to, I suppose, have a reminder of how good we can feel when we do move our bodies and eat well. And tomorrow... We are launching mm. for the 1st of October with a boxing workout with me, which you can do for free on the Kick Instagram in the morning. And all the information is on the Kick Instagram and we are not releasing it in a DVD form. Okay. That would be very <laughs> random. <laughs> all right, Lozzy, let's get into today's chat, which I am so excited for you guys to hear this chat because our guest was an absolute pleasure. Who have we got? Yes, she was. And sorry for the long intro again. We really should have got straight to this because this is such a great podcast. We were so lucky to be able to speak with Elise Perry. So Elise is an Australian cricketer and through her spectacular sporting career so far, she has become the face of women's sport in Australia. She's also played an elite level for cricket and soccer for Australia. She's just incredible and obviously so talented. But what I thought was the most amazing thing about this interview is she is one of the most humble people we have ever spoken to. When we asked what she was like at or how she knew about her sporting ability, when which you will hear soon, when she said I I, I was just okay, I was I was like, Oh my goodness, of course you're more than okay. But she was just she was so humble about everything she did and she's got so many amazing messages. Yeah, and I just love the way, you know, other than her 
because she was, she was incredibly humble, but the way that she spoke of her team and the way that she spoke of like how so happy and surprised and grateful she is that she can call what she does her job because she just genuinely loves playing the sport and she doesn't feel like she's working. I thought that was really cool too. So we really hope you guys enjoy this chat with Elise. Hello and welcome to the Kick Pod, Elise Perry. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. You know, it's it's really amazing having you on. We're very, very excited. But I have to say, Laws, the last time we actually got to go to an event was the incredible T20 at the G for International Women's Day. <laughs> so it's, it's it's funny getting to chat to you because that was literally like the last of kind of normality of a, a fun, exciting event at, at, at a kind of sporting arena that we had <laughs> this year. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to think, actually. Like, even despite, I guess, all the things that have happened since then it feels like the years flown in an odd way and that just feels like a million years ago when we were sort of allowed to gather in that group of a number of people in in one spot and yeah it was a pretty amazing event so I think we kind of look back in it and um always say how lucky we were to actually like for that to go ahead because I think it was only like a week or so later that you know the full extent of the COVID crisis kind of kicked in so yeah we were super lucky and yeah it was a really special day too so it's nice to have that memory yeah it is it is nice I um I got to use my handbag for the first time the other day because I left the house and <laughs> I still had my little my little pass from from the G in there and it oh, gave me a bit of a flashback memory but it is crazy how quick this year in ways has gone when you think about that kind of being the last event but um this has been a big year how are you going at the moment uh, yeah, well, we're actually up in Brisbane at the moment in hotel quarantine. So we've got a series against New Zealand coming up and I've been living in, in Melbourne. So um, for all the girls from Victoria and also the girls from New South Wales, uh, we've all come up a couple of weeks early to to quarantine first and then um, link up with the rest of the group after the 14 days that we've got to spend basically in the hotel. We're very lucky I think compared to a lot of people we're allowed to go out a couple of hours a day to train but yeah it's been um it's been such a different experience obviously you know for everyone um just in the interruption to their day-to-day life but I think too on top of that for everyone with the way that they've worked and whilst it's not really uh, work I suppose playing sport is is that for us and it's just such a different way that we're used to so yeah in a way like I think it's going to be a really cool experience to look back on and I'm sure there's plenty of things that will sort of pick up that I guess in a way are good learning experiences as well. Oh absolutely and so you have been in Melbourne how has COVID affected your career have you been in Melbourne since uh, we were at the G with you <laughs> well, what's been happening? Yeah, pretty much. I had a couple of little trips up to Sydney, so my family's from up there, and I also um, had to have an operation after the the final. So um, I went back to Sydney twice for a couple of weeks, both times. And besides that, I've been in Melbourne, which um, I guess in comparison to a normal year, I've spent a lot of time at home, which, yeah, I actually haven't minded in a lot of ways. It's definitely changed stuff in terms of training and the way that we normally do things um and just even as I said like the amount of time that I've spent at home normally we're we're traveling you know most months of the year um for various things so I've actually really appreciated a lot of it there's certainly been some challenges but you know as I said I think compared to a lot of people we've been very fortunate and just the opportunity to still be able to train through most of it has been a little bit of a blessing I think just in terms of staying sane and still being able to see people and that kind of thing. Have you been training at home? <laughs> yeah I, that's one of the really 
cool things about it actually is like just how much you can do with you know not much if that makes sense so um I think certainly as a professional athlete like we're very spoiled in terms of like whiz bang facilities and access to you know to gyms and grounds and you know playing cricket nets and all that kind of equipment and you know that that kind of got all taken away a little bit during um some of the lockdown periods so actually kind of like going back to oh, I don't know the basics I guess and realizing how much you can do just in a park or you know even in a room in your house or in the backyard or anything like that has been a really good thing because like I think you kind of come to expect a lot as a professional athlete of the facilities that you get but yeah really doesn't make that much of a difference in the end you can do a lot with with not a lot it's really refreshing and really nice to hear you so positive um on reflecting of this year it's um it's something that i think you know i've tried to be as positive and always you know focus on what i'm grateful for through, through this time but i still have those days where i'm like honestly it's just shit like i just want, <laughs> I want to see my family but it is it's really really nice um and uplifting to hear you speak so positively and you know talk about learnings and stuff that you've had this year so appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, oh don't get me wrong there's been some really crappy moments um and i think um you know yeah twofold I mean I I hope it doesn't last that much longer and it's sort of a mm. one-off thing that we don't all have to go through again um but yeah too I think I've been very fortunate in terms of my circumstances compared to a lot of other people um so it's probably easy to be positive in in a lot of ways but I think too like there's always a chance no matter how crappy situations are to to learn something or um take something away from it so um if you're fortunate enough to be in that position to, I guess, um, make the most of that and um, be a bit Mary Poppins about it, it's kind of a good way, I suppose. I love that. That's so good. Um, one thing that we know our community loves and I personally love learning about is when you have someone that you look up to or, or an idol of some sort, which you certainly are for so many women out there, it's really cool to hear a bit of the, the backstory of, of your childhood. And we know you grew up in Sydney, but what were you like as a child? Did you, did you always love sport? Uh, yeah, from pretty much my earliest memories, I was a bit of a tomboy. So um, not a bit, I was a big tomboy, actually. I've got an older brother who's three years older than me, and both mum and dad were really involved in sport as well so um i think it was just kind of like a natural part of our our family life and and lifestyle you know and growing up in in sydney or in australia like having the chance to have a backyard and muck around there and at the local park and down at the beach and all those kinds of things we just were always outdoors so i think i just had a bit of a natural affinity to that you know mum and dad showed us how to do various things whether it was kicking or throwing catching and riding bikes and all that stuff as soon as we possibly could so yeah I've always loved it it's always been a part of I guess who I am um and yeah it's kind of something that we've all shared together too which has been cool you mentioned your older brother uh I have an older brother who's about three years older as well and I was very much the same like whatever sport he played <laughs> I I wanted to play and I just always wanted to be in the backyard either doing backyard cricket or just running around and trampoline <laughs> with him was he a big kind of inspiration to, to you when you were younger did you kind of just want to be involved in whatever he was doing uh yeah I was definitely like a little bit of a, a shadow um I'm sure I annoyed the <laughs> the crap out of him quite often um but yeah I I did a lot with him like even just I think 
the incidental stuff where you go exploring in your, your own neighborhoods and, um, you know, jump on your bikes and go up to the local milk bar or anything like that. Like I was always following my brother. Um, and I think like that is such an important part of, of your childhood, just that kind of incidental play and exploration. And it was really nice to have him to do that with. And yeah, he used to get up to a little bit of mischief as well. <laughs> so I used to follow him along those lines as well. And we had a lot of fun as kids. I think we were very fortunate to have quite a you know, decent amount of rope to play with in terms of mum and dad letting us go off and explore and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I really, really value that actually, and especially looking back on it now. And I think it was pretty instrumental in developing you know, a lot of things that I value. And you have now de- developed into, you know, one of the best female athletes Australia has ever seen. So from being a child and exploring with your brother and, and loving sport, you then became the youngest cricketer ever, male or female, to have represented Australia in at the age of 16, which is just absolutely mm-hmm. incredible as a cricketer. And you also played soccer and cricket for Australia. Did it feel like a dream or was it something that you always kind of believed that you were going to do? Uh, no, it was definitely pretty surreal, I think. Um, like I, yeah, as we sort of chatted about, like I grew up playing a, a bunch of sport, um, cricket and soccer were, were two of those. But, you know, I sort of tried out everything and, um, you know, played local sport for different teams and just loved it and I think that was always the basis of why I did it It was just something I really enjoyed doing um like my favorite nights of the week were when we had club training after school and I always look forward to Saturday morning um, and going to sport um probably equally looking forward to going to the canteen after a game as well but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I think it was just I just loved it um and so I think that was really my major motivation and I suppose like off the back of that um, I used to try out for different rep teams and um, play in different carnivals and go away on different trips and those kinds of things which was you know great fun as well and you know I've still got friends that I might not still play with now but are, are great mates because of those trips that I had as a kid you know with them so I think all those things made it really special and then um, yeah kind of coincidentally um in a lot of ways it just kind of kept progressing for me and um yeah I ended up playing playing in those teams you know at a, at a higher level and it just kind of happened like I hadn't really planned it or thought about it too much um so it was yeah it was all kind of really surreal um and I think in a lot of ways it was probably a good thing um you know especially when I was 16 because it wasn't this big grand event really it was just like this cool opportunity to enjoy and and have fun and miss a few weeks of school to go away and play so um yeah it kind of worked out perfectly in a lot in a way I feel pretty lucky from that point of view and yeah certainly like my parents you know I have a lot to thank them for but in particular just like their encouragement rather than you know being um pushy or pressuring me into to doing things it was always just kind of encouraging me to enjoy it and I think that made a big difference too was there a moment yeah. when you realised that you were really good? I mean, I grew up playing a <laughs> lot of sport as well, but I also don't have any handball eye coordination, so I didn't get very far with it. <laughs> Did you ever, like, was there a moment when you were like, hang on, I am really good at this? Um, oh, I, not really. I, I think I always knew I was okay because um, I grew up playing a lot of, 
sport with the boys. Like, um, you know, obviously cricket and, and soccer in particular are very much, um, you know, traditionally male-dominated sports. And I think that's changed a lot, in, especially in the last decade mm. or so. But when I was a kid, definitely, like, I was often the only girl on a team or competition. And I think knowing that, like, I was pretty capable of competing against them made me think that, like, I was... I was comfortable and um and like enjoyed being there and was was good enough to be there I suppose but yeah I think as a kid well for me anyway it wasn't yeah I just really enjoyed it and maybe part of enjoying it was because I was okay at it but um (laughs) yeah it was just like it was just fun and I liked doing it and um you know if I wasn't at club training or playing a game like I'd go and kick a ball in the backyard or go down to the local nets with my my dad and my brother so it was just like a big part of my life and I suppose I did it enough to to become okay at it. (laughs) Definitely more than okay. I love how (laughs) humble you are. Um, So you have had to face some pretty big decisions in your career and one of them obviously is when you had to choose between soccer and cricket. When you're making such a big decision like that in your life and in your career, is there a certain method that you look to or that you apply or is there certain people that you go to to kind of help you with those decisions? Oh, um, yeah, definitely. I think um, in my case with like cricket and, and soccer, um, at the time, like when it all kind of happened when I was 16 and I, I played for um, for both teams for Australia, I think like... I always just felt incredibly fortunate and, you know, a lot about sport um, is hard work and, you know, dedication, that kind of stuff. But there also is certainly a bit of like luck and timing that's involved in it. And, you know, I think for me, I was really fortunate that at that period of time, both sports were probably, you know, semi-professional at best. Um, so there wasn't as much expectation and, um, I guess, level of commitment to either sport because it wasn't a full-time job for everyone. Um, you know, all the girls in the team either were still at school or at university or had, had jobs outside of playing. So um, there was sort of that aspect to it. And one of the things I always thought would be it'd actually be really, really cool if um, – either or both sports kind of developed to a point where it actually like was a full-time job and that meant that I could only play one because I think that would have been pretty significant in terms of development you know where the sport was going for for females um, being involved so I guess I always had that in the back of my mind um, that you know at some point if things went really well I might have to only play one and then um yeah on top of that as I said like my parents especially have been incredible support um the whole way through with everything that I've done and so I've always kind of leaned on them for help and yeah before I got my license mum and dad used to drive me everywhere for trainings and um you know they've come to most matches that we've played particularly in in Australia so um I think just having them there and knowing that um they were always going to be supportive no matter what I did um made a big difference and then too I think like the people that you you work with or you know play with and coaches and support staff can have a pretty big impact too on the way you feel about things and um you know the way that you do things so yeah I think I was really fortunate with that and then as as things evolved you know and both sports got more and more professional and sort of um demanding more time and commitment yeah it was kind of like a really nice natural way for things to kind of evolve so it wasn't like this big momentous decision in a way it was kind of more like it's just like an evolution in the way things are going to um, unfold for me. So, yeah, I, I guess that, that was kind of how I looked at it and I just tried to make the most of 
of playing both for as long as I could. And then um, as that changed, it was sort of like almost this new um, challenge for me or, you know, as I said, evolution because it sort of meant that I'd turned into a full-time athlete, you know, ended up being cricket. And, and like, that gave me a great opportunity, I suppose, to become a better cricketer as well in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it was kind of a positive decision in a way. And, yeah, I certainly miss a lot of aspects of soccer, but there was a lot of upside to it career I suppose as a female in sport in Australia is I mean it's so great that the industry is changing and you know women's sport is being televised more often and like we saw at the start of the year that there's more people attending which is fantastic but did you ever feel like it wasn't an option for you as a career or did you always feel like you were going to make it work? I was really fortunate when I started out uh, I was still at school so, so firstly it wasn't really um a bother as to how much um, income I was deriving from playing sport because I was still living at home and, and going to school so I didn't really worry about that and I remember like we used to get sort of allowances for when we'd be away on tour you know and I'd end up like kind of saving a fair bit of that I wouldn't spend it all and then I'd have like this pocket money when I get home to like <laughs> I don't know go and spend at the movies with my friends or, or whatever it was so you know initially I, it was never sort of like this financial burden to, to be involved which again I, I feel very fortunate to have kind of experienced and then I think as things evolved you know I sort of was again really lucky that um, I had some personal sponsors come on board and I think um, initially in those first couple of years of of leaving school and just playing sport um, if it wasn't for for having some sponsors that I did some work with and certainly I would have had to have got a another job and it would have been a little bit more of a consideration but I think yeah having that that opportunity um to do the sponsorship work and then just train and play meant that I I, I didn't have to consider it too much because I suppose the sponsors were really um encouraging me to play and just you know that was their main focus anyway um but yeah, I did probably a lot more in that space um, in terms of appearances and, I guess, marketing and that kind of stuff because um, I had a lot more time to. Um, and as that's kind of gone on in the last five or six years, we've trained and played so much more. And I guess that sponsorship stuff, I don't do as much, which, you know, honestly speaking, I'm really glad about because <laughs> I think that was like the closest I've got to working. Um, whereas, yeah, uh, playing and training is really nice. So that's my kind of experience with it. And as I get, as a, I'm very, very fortunate to have had that, but certainly knowing like some of the other girls in the team and, and um, ones that had played for a long period of time and, and been involved, you know, in an earlier period to me where there was probably even less progress and development. Like we had the captain of the Australian cricket team, she worked for Australia Post as a postie um, in her spare time. So, like, and that was just so that she could, you know, ensure that she could still tour and pay rent and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's amazing to think that that's probably only, like, 14 years ago that it was like that. And now where we all are, we're all full-time athletes and paid really well to do so. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to, to have been a part of all of that. It is very cool. And you've been a big part of all of that. You're, you're, you're a huge testament to that change in the industry, I'd say. And you're now the face of women's sport in Australia, which is incredible. But I can only, uh, you're so humble that I'm sure it can be overwhelming at times. Um, how, how do you do with that kind of responsibility? Do you enjoy it? <laughs> well, I think it's like really easy when you're in a, a team environment. Um, probably just 
through sheer timing of when we're chatting but you know with the the 20 year anniversary of sydney olympics and um watching the kathy freeman documentary that was Mm. on tv and thinking about like the responsibility that she shouldered over that time we actually sat down in quarantine and as a group and we watched and we were just saying like it's just incredible like i suppose the most that we've experienced was the world cup earlier this year with um like quite probably the most scrutiny that we've ever had in terms of our performance and the way that the team was playing if we were going to win or if we were going to lose and injuries and all those kinds of things and that was that felt pretty intense at the time but i think as in a you know in a team sport you've always got one another to kind of shoulder the load and you know take pressure off each other so um it's never been too hard but like yeah seriously watching that kathy freeman documentary we were just all like i don't even know how she got to the start line let alone go went on and won it um given what she went through in the lead up so yeah it's kind of a double-edged sword because um you obviously really want things to progress and the support the sport to do well and people to be interested in it and then you get all this interest and you know it's not always positive um so i suppose dealing with that you know is the tricky part of it but you know for all intents and purposes we're pretty lucky Mm, I, I loved watching that documentary and if everyone listening I, I highly recommend I still got so nervous when she was doing even though I knew she won I was so yeah. nervous watching it yeah, it's crazy and like sort of like under 50 seconds of her life that's defined so much of it um in that one race so um I think I was like maybe 10 at the time or just yeah just about to turn 10 and I remember like tuning into that and that's like seared into my brain that moment um and I don't remember a lot from my childhood but I, yeah I think every Australian that was around for that remembers it so yeah it was a great watch mm, I remember exactly where I was sitting in my house at the time if, and I was I think we're two years I think I'm two years younger so I think I was about eight um but yeah it was yeah. such a special moment for women's sport and on that if you had a magic wand or, you know, just some type of superpower <laughs> and you could change something for sport for women around the world, what would it be? Oh. <laughs> I've never been asked that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's probably a really corny answer, but um, I've been involved for, yeah, a bit over, like, probably 14 years now. Um and I guess like being a part of that that progress and change and development has been like one of the biggest highlights of my career and um, it's certainly made me appreciate what we have now versus I suppose what we started out with and you know that's I'm lucky because I've kind of had both whereas you know a lot of players that I played with previously haven't had the, the opportunity to experience what the team gets now but I think it's a great it's a great story and it's not just relevant to cricket like it's relevant to all female sport yeah particularly in Australia at the moment it's just like this amazing movement and um you know there's this wave of um progress that's sort of sweeping up all all female sport in its um in its path which is really cool um and I I like that that's kind of happened I don't think anything good just happens like with a click of fingers it takes time and lots of hard work and dedication from a lot of people um so I wouldn't change anything in that regard but maybe I'd yeah, maybe I'd try try and do that for every country in the world, I suppose. Um, I think, you know, we're in a lot of ways ahead um, of many other places around the world and, and many, um, you know, female sports and, and female athletes in, 
in different countries don't get the same opportunities that we're currently getting. So, um, yeah, maybe to make that a bit more equal. I love that. That's so awesome. Um, we have to congratulate you as last year you became an author. Um, and the title of your book is called Perspective and you define this for you as perspective is about sitting back from the world you're involved in and evaluating what it means to you. Can you explain this? Um, yeah, I think when I was writing that book, uh, it was probably like at a time in my career where, um, you know, I keep saying this, but I feel like I've been involved for a while now and I've seen a lot and, like, I've changed a lot over that period as well, um, you know, from being a 16-year-old to nearly being 30. Um, you know, like, a lot of the way that I do things and, you know, the way I perceive things and probably also, like, the reasons that I like to get out of bed in the morning and go to training or go go and play um, have really evolved and changed. And, um, you know, I think that was kind of, like, the impetus for writing that book is like um you know what's been influential along the way and then like at the end of it all what actually really matters um in relation to to life um and there's so many amazing and great and important things that I'll take away from sport and you know things that are just important to me within sport that um mean a lot but I guess at the end of the day it's just it's just a game um and like just trying to I guess have that in balance with also wanting to do well and achieve lots of things and um you know make the most of of an opportunity like I've been afforded um I guess that's what I mean by perspective is it's kind of like two things really it's like actually knowing what really matters when it's all said and done but also making the most of what's important to you at the time yeah, absolutely. And another thing that we, we loved in your book was when you spoke about being able to understand yourself well enough to know what suits you and know what doesn't. And it kind of seems like such a simple thing, but I think in our own heads, it's actually so hard to work that out. And we would love to know how you were able to navigate working through <laughs> that for yourself and any advice for anyone listening who's trying to work it out for themselves. Uh, yeah, sure. Um well, I think the biggest thing is that everyone's unique and even when you're playing a team sport, um, just because something works for um, one person and the way that they go about things and the way that they do things and the way they think about things doesn't necessarily mean that everyone else has to do it in exactly the same way or um, they need to take the same path to get the same results. Um, I think that's what I, I really love about sport is that there's so many different ways to skin a cat um but it's really easy sometimes to get caught up in what other people are doing um and feel like you know because you're not as good as them at something or you can't do that as well or you're not as disciplined as that and all those kinds of things um to almost kind of create this bit of inferiority complex for yourself and I think that's amplified these days so much by you know social media and everything that we see um you know on our phone screens and that kind of thing like you constantly can compare yourself to other people um you know I'm certainly guilty of doing that and catching myself kind of like um comparing myself to you know images and what other people are doing or portraying um but at the end of the day, I think if you try and copy anyone and, and do what they do, you're never going to be as, as good as them at, at that. Um, but if you find your own way by navigating your way through things and giving things a try and seeing what suits and, and you know be willing to be creative or a little bit outside of the box or a little bit different to other people, um, 
it always ends up being more genuine and authentic and something you can actually own because I suppose you have a deep understanding for it. Um, and I guess that's what I, I've kind of learned having played, you know, for a long time now. Like there's lots of things that I used to think really mattered um, and I'd spend heaps of time either, you know, practising or worrying about and stressing over that. Now I like I don't even think about because I realised I had no... Um, significant kind of impact on the way that I played or, you know, the kind of teammate that I was to other people or those kinds of things. Um, yeah, and that takes time. Like, it's not something you can just figure out overnight. But I think if you sort of, you know, just have a clear notion in your head that you're going to be true to yourself and, and work out what's best for you, um, yeah, it always ends up being a lot more genuine and, I guess, um, sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've had so many successes from a very young age. Has your idea of success changed over the years? Like if you think back to what you would have thought success was to you back then to now, has it changed? Um, oh, uh, I'm not really sure actually. I, probably in the sense that I, I'm a little bit more global about the way I think about things. I think when I was younger, success to me was like if we won a game or um, if we won a tournament, um, yeah, that was kind of what I benchmarked a lot of success on. Whereas I think nowadays it's probably a lot more about did we have a, a really positive impact on the people that came to the game or, you know, on the sport in general or on a group of young girls. Um, I think that has become far more important to me. Um, you know, even, you know, was the impact that we had, you know, has that made the game better itself and um, not just in Australia but around the world? Um, I think, yeah, I'd probably judge a lot more of our success on that. Um, so, you know, it kind of makes other things important as well, not just um, not just playing or not just, you know, scoring runs or taking wickets and those kinds of things. I think you do an amazing job at that just from the start of the year experiencing all of especially the amount of young women that were at the game and they were watching at the final and they were just so kind of it was just amazing the feeling in the stadium was just absolutely incredible so I think you do that every single time that you play <laughs> and now we would love to ask you about motivation so it's something that we speak about all the time with our kit community and how it's actually not a given. I mean, unless unless you, you do, but I feel like not many of us wake up every single morning and think, I'm so motivated, I can't wait to get out of bed and go for a run or whatever your training is. How do you find motivation every day to train? And do you wake up every morning motivated or do you have to find it and talk yourself into it? <laughs> Oh, you definitely have wavering levels of, of motivation. Um, Thank goodness, because I, I was like, oh, my I God. I was going to say, it's, it's really refreshing hearing that from an athlete. Oh, gosh, no, absolutely. Um, I think you probably, well, I'm just talking personally, but um, having a few different streams of motivation is pretty important. Um, I think inherently um, and at the root of it all, I'm quite intrinsically motivated, so a lot of it, kind of probably comes from within it's not really about other people or other stuff um I just like getting up and challenging myself and um you know doing things that I guess make me feel fulfilled for the day but um definitely there's some mornings that I feel more motivated to be challenged than others um so I think like you know if I think about what I do for a living and um 
there's probably a few different things with that. Certainly playing a team sport and knowing that, you know, when I get to go to training, I'm working with other people, whether that's a coach or a teammate or, um, you know, they're sort of relying on me to be there. Um, I think that makes it a lot easier to, to get out of bed and, and turn up. Like if I, if you're just kind of doing it to be there and by yourself and not really experiencing it with anyone else would make it a lot harder. Um, and then probably, you know, and it's just because I'm lucky to play sport for a living, but I actually like, it's a real lifestyle value of mine to be, to be active. Um, so yeah, I, like I just, I think I'd be riddled with anxiety at night going to bed if I hadn't have moved for the day and done stuff and just wouldn't feel great about myself. So I think, it's kind of like I'm very lucky that um, I get to do it and get paid to do it. But even if I didn't, I think just getting out of bed and being active, I always feel so much better as a result. So, And that probably goes back to my childhood and what we spent most of our time doing. So um, they're probably my two major um, yeah, sources of motivation. But certainly like having someone else there to experience it with you is, um, is a real big one for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's all about like finding finding what works for, for you when it comes to motivation, for sure. Um, you mentioned before that you have fallen, you know, time to time, like we all do, into that trap of comparing yourself to others. <laughs> have you ever struggled with self-confidence in any way? Um, uh, yeah, I think, like, you, you certainly have wavering levels of confidence. Um, and I always, like, think there's probably, like, a really clear distinction between self-belief and self-confidence. And I think self-belief is, like, this really deep level of, you know, genuine belief in yourself that, you know, no matter how hard it is, you're actually very much capable of doing what you want to or achieving what you want to. And I think if you can hold on to that um, and maintain that, then it's, you know, confidence comes and goes a bit. And, you know, it's a bit like form, I suppose. Like sometimes you, you're flying and you feel great and other times it's a bit more of a grind and it feels a bit harder and you have a few moments where you're a bit doubtful and stuff. But um, I suppose if, like, deep down you truly believe in yourself, then confidence doesn't matter as much. Um, and I think, you know, I'm really fortunate to have a lot of self-belief um, and I think that's definitely um, definitely helps when, yeah, you may be lacking a bit of confidence. I think that's so important. I, I think, I mean, that's something that we, we try and do with Kick every single day is just to get, and I hope everyone listening can find that within, <laughs> that self-belief because it is so hard to find it, but it's up to us to have that because, you know, no one else is going to believe believe in us if we don't believe in ourselves. So it's so nice to hear you compare that with confidence because it's so important. Yeah, I think it is because... Um yeah, like little things. Yeah, uh, something as silly as waking up in the morning and like I don't know having people on your face. You might then not have as much confidence um, walking out. But like, I think that's different to you know, like believing in yourself. If that makes sense, I, it's probably not a great mm. example. But like, just because I have a pimple on my face doesn't mean I can't play well today. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I might lack a little bit of confidence with, and might wear my hat around everywhere, but um, I still know that I'm capable of doing the same things. Um, yeah, regardless. Yeah, I love that. Still capable of doing the same things. I think that is is so important. And to finish off, we've got one last question for you, mm-hmm. which is if you could give – oh, my goodness, and I've got a foot cramp. I'm going to move around. <laughs> <laughs> if you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? 
Yeah, I think I was pretty focused as an 18-year-old and, um, yeah, perhaps missed out on a few a few things that um, these days I would have valued a lot more just in terms of experiences um, and being able to, to relax. I think, um, yeah, like I probably didn't have a particularly typical um you know, teenage years, especially the the latter end, and I was pretty focused on, um, you know, playing sport and and you know making teams and going away for for trips and maybe you know missed a little bit of that more informal kind of like life experiences that um, you know I think come when you're young and and energetic and vibrant and make the most of it. So um, I think like I would have told myself that I could have had both and it would have made a difference in the long run. Um, but having said that, like, I don't think I'd change anything either because that's just who I was and, and part of my journey and probably makes me value those those things more now. But, um, yeah, I think at the time I would have said that you can you can have both and it's okay. That's so nice. I, yeah, I mean, I, you would have sacrificed so much as, as a young person, but it's just incredible that you, you were so like, – the youngest person, youngest cricketer, male or female ever. <laughs> that is just amazing, you know, to represent Australia. And speaking to you, Elise, has been so awesome. You are so humble. Uh, to hear you say you're okay is just <laughs> – we're just sitting here like you're, you, you're so amazing and, and it's so refreshing to speak to someone um, who obviously is so kind um, to others and cares so much about others in everything that you do while being so humble. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed chatting. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed recording. What else do I have to say? I've forgotten we haven't done an intro for two weeks. What I have to you say You mean an outro? An outro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Yes, I am rusty in this part of the podcast. But anyway, thank you for listening. If you do want to join us on our October Challenge for Kick, please come and join us. We would love that. All the information is on our Instagram and we do have a seven-day free trial available at all times if you do want to give Kick a go. Yes, we'd love that. And also, guys, we will be back, of course, next week with another KickPod episode and another incredible guest. We'll pop Elisa's details in the show notes along with Clinique and we hope to not see you, but not hear you either we hope you hear us next week where can where can everyone find us we haven't done an outro for oh. so long and give me energy you see when we do these outros okay sometimes we go monotone you can follow us on but let's let's bring some energy here all right here we go you ready yes everyone's waiting if you'd like to find out more about us, whoa you can find us on other platforms like Instagram. <laughs> Our Instagram channel is at keepercleaner, at laura.henshaw or Steph Claire Smith. And we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and spending this much time with us. Bye. <laughs>